Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, hey, today we are going to, uh, to continue our series, Overcomer, and uh, today we're going to talk about overcoming temptation. You know, there was a man, he was on a, a diet, and, and he was struggling, and uh, he had to go downtown, and as he, he started out, he remembered that on the route was his favorite uh, donut shop, and uh, as he got closer, he thought, you know, it'd be really nice to have a cup of coffee, and uh, oh man, that would just really hit the spot. And then he remembered his diet. And so he made this bargain with God. He said, well, God, you know, I know I'm on this diet. I really want a cup of coffee. If you want me to stop, I, I pray that as I drive by, that there will be a parking spot right up front for me. And, uh, and, and so, you know, uh, this man was, was there. And all of a sudden he said, wouldn't you know it? There was a parking lot right up front. It came available after the seventh time I drove around the parking lot. <laughs> Oh, you know, uh, sometimes temptation is, is so difficult. Robert Orban said this, most people want to be delivered from temptation, but they like to keep in touch. They like to keep in touch. You know, allow me to state the obvious for a moment. Uh, you're not going to make it as a believer. You and I, we won't make it as a believer if we don't learn how to overcome temptation. You know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus thought that, uh, uh, that some who make a profession of faith, uh, as soon as trials begin, as soon as temptations come, it cuts off any sign of growth in their lives. The heat of trials and the subtle thorns, the wild worldly desires of the plant cause the plant to die. In fact, Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, it said the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they, have, they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. You know, when I understand this parable, what I see is, is that in order for this plant to be able to produce fruit, it needs to know how to endure and how to overcome the trials and the temptations that come. In fact, as believers, our roots need to go deep and we need to be able to endure that temptation. Why? Because Jesus promises us something. And today we're going to spend some time in the book of James, James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 and verse 12 is a transition verse. It's transitioning from what James is talking about regarding trials that come our way and about to transition into the overcoming of temptation. And this is the transition verse, verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Those are wonderful blessings. And when we learn how to overcome and resist temptation, there is a wonderful reward that God has planned for us. And so today I want to share a strategy for overcoming the deadly lure of temptation. First of all, to overcome temptation, we need to recognize the cause recognize the cause that's the first step in overcoming temptation it begins with preparation if we're going to overcome temptation then we need to understand what temptation is and where it begins so let's look at james chapter 1 and verse 13 the the next verse says this let no one say when he is tempted i am being tempted by god 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Notice that James says, when tempted, not if tempted. The truth is, all of us face temptation. Temptation is one of those things that come. In fact, if we take a look, there are some characteristics that I want you to see about temptation. First of all, temptation is not the same as trials. In the Greek word, the word tempted in James is also translated trial in in verse 2 and then also in verse 12 that we read earlier, but there are two different senses of that verse. God tests and tries believers, but he does not tempt anyone to sin. That's extremely important. You see, trials are external circumstances that challenge our happiness. They come from the outside. Death of someone that we love, the loss of a job, a financial crisis, loneliness, health problems, or as we're experiencing today, even things dealing with COVID-19. There are things on the outside, things that happen to us externally that we don't control. There are situations that come and their trials that we face on the outside. You know, God tests many people. In fact, in the uh, Old Testament, there was someone who was a great man of faith, Abraham. And God tested Abraham by telling him, offer your son Isaac, your, your only son, Isaac, on the altar. God had tested whether Isaac, his son, and the promise that God had was going to be more important than God himself. Sometimes God tests us. God attested Job by allowing Satan to afflict him in his trials. God tests both the righteous and the wicked to reveal their respective characters. In fact, with his people, the purpose of God's test is often to refine our faith as gold and silver. Because of the indwelling sin and the existence of Satan, every test can become a temptation to sin. Thus, it's important for us to recognize that while trials are external things, temptations are an internal reaction to what is happening externally. For instance, if I'm experiencing a financial challenge, I might be tempted to steal or fight to have a, a, be dishonest in my books. Why? Because the outside circumstances all of a sudden tempt me to make excuses and, well, I'll make it up later. I'll pay back. Oh, I've been working so hard, I deserve this. It's amazing how temptation happens on the inside when we are experiencing a response to things that are happening on the outside. If I'm afraid of criticism, then I might not have the courage to respond. So when something happens, I might react in fear. I might react by being tempted to lie. There are all kinds of repercussions to protect myself. You see, trials are externally, but temptation stems from within. You see, the source of temptation, number two, does not come from God. The temptation does not come from God. Rather, it comes from the sinful nature from within us. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, look at this, by his own desire. In fact, some translations say own evil desire. Temptations come from desires within us. That's so important for us to understand. Outside conflict may come, but inside desires, then we are tempted to, to thus obey, disobey the Lord and sin against God. Thirdly, temptation is universal. That means everybody is tempted. Temptation is not a sign of spiritual weakness. I want you to understand that. It's not a sign of spiritual weakness. The moment we entered into this world, we were drafted uh, for a battle against temptation. 
In fact, great people of faith, as I mentioned, Abraham uh, was one of them in his life. He experienced temptation. David experienced temptation. Jesus Christ himself experienced temptation. In fact, we need to understand on the outset that as believers in Jesus Christ, there is no sin in being tempted. No one can eradicate these kind of enticements. But we are responsible for our reactions to them. Listen, you cannot avoid temptation, but you can overcome it. You'll never outgrow temptation, but you can overcome it. More often than not, temptation is really a sign of spiritual growth because as you begin to trust God more and the enemy begins to see that, he wants to trip you up. And so temptation begins something that wants to take you off course. So if you are tempted, oftentimes that's because you are growing in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 talks about the universal, universal nature of, of temptation when it says this, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is, look at this, common to man. Common to man. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they were tempted. Again, temptation is not a sin. It is the process by which if we are not prepared, we can be drawn towards disobedience. Fourthly, temptation is personal. We all have personal temptations. We're all vulnerable in different ways. Temptation is a a personal thing. Some things that you'll be tempted by, I'm not tempted by. And some of the things that I'm tempted by, you say, what's the big deal? I'm not tempted by those things. Why? Because those temptations are something that comes from the desires within. And all of us have different desires from within. Temptations are tailor-made to our weaknesses. Remember, they don't come from external Sources. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. See, there's no hope in, in overcoming temptation unless we acknowledge the truth that really temptation begins inside of us and with our own evil desires. Again, there's no doubt that temptation is going to come to all of us. So how do we prepare for those moments? We need to be ready. We need to expect temptation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul agrees as he writes this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Notice how Paul uses the word schemes. We need to be prepared for temptation because we, we can do that by recognizing the devil's schemes. Now, I like sports. In particular, I love football. I love basketball. And one of the things in football that great coaches do is they begin to watch film. They watch film on the other team. They watch film on, on certain players on the other team, on the offensive line or the defensive line. What, what are they looking for as they wa- they're watching film? They're looking for weaknesses. They're looking for tendencies. They're looking for vulnerabilities so that they can begin to scheme out a plan. They can begin to scheme out uh, uh, certain plays that they know might exploit the weakness of their opponent. I played basketball while I was in in college, and one of the things in playing basketball, we would look at the opponent, and oftentimes our coach would point out certain things. For instance, if somebody was dominant with their right hand and they didn't like to use their left hand in dribbling the ball or in driving to the basket, they might go right. We would begin to shade our defense over to the right to try to force them into their weakness to go left because we thought that that would help us to exploit their weakness. I don't know if you realize this, but Satan is out to exploit your weakness. He's not all-knowing like God is, but he's certainly observant. 
And he knows your weaknesses and he knows those blocked desires and he uses temptation to begin to lure us away. You see, James carefully points out that temptation is not an event, it's a process. Look at this, verses 14 and 15 again. But each one is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Look at this, then after desire has conceived, what does it give birth to? It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's not an event. There's a process here that begins with desire. As we've shared, the the course uh, of temptation starts because of the desires that are within us, our own evil desire. It's already within us. If it weren't, sin then wouldn't be attractive to us. At first glance, you you might not think sin uh, is there, but it's some sort of magnet. It's it's drawing you. You can think of desire as a, a magnet inside of you. Our desires are externally power, extremely powerful. Not all desires are wrong. Many desires are very good and they help us to live healthy. For instance, uh, we have a desire for food. Hunger is what it is. Yet when that desire is not kept in check, it can lead to overeating and it can lead to health problems. In fact, God has created us with sexual desire. And yet at the same time, if we are not careful and we go outside the bounds of Scripture, we can find ourselves being lured away and enticed into adultery. See how this process works? Temptation begins with desire because the enemy wants our desires to control our lives. Oftentimes, these desires come through the eye gate or the ear gate. They begin by things that capture our attention. They begin things that we see or things that we hear. That, that look, in fact, that's what happened to David. David happened to be up on the roof in a vulnerable moment when he caught sight of Bathsheba who was bathing and an unchecked desire and a thought not taken captive led to temptation and led David to committing adultery and murder, a downward spiral. The second strategy in overcoming temptation is to understand the consequences So we know the cause, but we also have to remember the consequences. You see, this desire, if left unchecked, leads to deception. James tells us that because of our desires, we are dragged away and seduced or enticed. The word enticed is a fishing term, meaning to lure by bait. That's the purpose of deception, isn't it? If you bait a hook with a nice juicy worm and you're a fisherman, you have two purposes in mind. The first is to lure out the fish from hiding. So you put some juicy bait onto the hook to lure out the fish from wherever they're hiding. Secondly, you hide the hook. (laughs) You hide the hook. Why? And that's what's so important about sin. Oftentimes, the hook or the consequence is hidden by what looks good. And, and the lure, the, the worm that is on the hook, hides the hook. So the fish is unsuspecting of the danger and the consequences that lay beneath. And oftentimes when it comes to sin, we look at our desires and I just want to be happy. And this will bring me joy or this will bring me peace or, or this will meet my need. Not knowing that beneath that desire unchecked is a hook and a consequence and we are deceived by it. You see, the consequences of sin are real, but we are blinded to them by the strength of our desire. 
For if we saw them clearly, we would without a doubt make a different choice. Adam and Eve were probably curious about the tree and the fruit they were not permitted to eat from. The serpent came and deceived them by a pattern, their curiosity. When, when the serpent comes, where do we find Eve? She's near the tree, near the tree. And, and what does the enemy use? How does the enemy begin to deceive? He starts by questioning, did God really say See, friends, that's oftentimes where the temptation begins to take hold of the deception. The desires are within, and then Satan begins to introduce us, questioning whether the Word of God really says, "Mm, you shouldn't do that. Did God really say? To question the Word of God. And then there's a subtle shift, you see, because Eve says, he says, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from from any of the trees? And she said, no, it's not any of the trees, it's this one tree. And then she goes beyond and says that we shouldn't touch it. Now, maybe that was because in an effort to protect, maybe Adam had told her, listen, we can't eat it, don't even touch it. And so in her heart was not only don't eat it, but don't touch it. But but the enemy began to use that and he begins to get them to question the goodness of God. He says this in Genesis 3, 4, and 5. You will not certainly die, for the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent not only gets her to question God's word, but also God's goodness. Is God holding out? I'm sure you want to be happy. God's happy. Look, he's holding out on you. When that was not the truth at all. But that's the subtlety of deception. When we begin to question the word of God and we begin to question the goodness of God, then we find ourselves deceived and the next pattern leads to disobedience. Deception, desire, deception, disobedience. You see, sin is simply disobedience to God. After sin or desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. That's two elements, the bait and the desire joined together to give birth to sin. That's the consequences of giving in to temptation. Allowing ourselves to to have our desires to go unchecked leads to deception that eventually will conceive and will give birth to sin or disobedience towards God. And if we, throughout our lives, we see that, throughout the Bible, we see that people who were led down a path towards disobedience. And if we do not repent and we do not deal with that sin, it leads to the fourth part of this process, which is death. And when sin, when it's fully grown, verse 15 says, brings forth death. Even though sin sometimes brings a a temporary period of pleasure, it always leads to death. And although it's not immediately apparent, it's happening. We all have sinned. God may not strike us right away, but that's because of God's mercy. The mercy of God leads us to repentance. But if we do not repent, if we do not walk down that road, it leads to death. That's the ultimate result of sin. If we continue to sin and we don't respond to God's mercy, we are, we are again, we don't forsake our sins, death will follow. James here is not referring to physical death, then if that's the case, none of us would be alive, right? But it, he's referring to a spiritual death. And if he was referring to just simply spiritual death, then none of us could be saved. But the fulfillment of our love, lust brings about in the believer's life a death-like existence. It leads to the destruction and the death of families marriages, friendships, employment, and so much more. 
the death of dreams, the death of opportunity. There are consequences that come when we give in to temptation. But friends, there's hope. In order to overcome temptation, you not only need to know the cause, you not only need to recognize the consequences, but you need to run to the cure. Run to the cure. Listen, James says this in verse 16, don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Listen, James says, listen, don't be deceived. You don't have to be deceived. There is a cure. And what is the cure? Look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You know what James is telling us? The same thing that, was, that Adam and Eve had been deceived by. They had been deceived into believing that God was not good, that God was holding out on him, and that his word was not good. But James says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So the things, the desires that we really need, the satisfaction, we talked about discontentment last week, the satisfaction that we really need can only come when we run to the Father. It can only come when we begin to run to the Father and we recognize that what He is giving us is better than anything else in this world. That's, where, that's the cure. The cure is in Jesus Christ. The cure is finding ourselves satisfied in Jesus Christ and not being deceived in satisfaction in anything else. Again, when we take a look at at this, it's, it, is, it is not the good things. It is when we begin to worship the good things. It's not, it's not that God isn't providing us good things, but sometimes it's Him providing us good things in His own time. But when desire comes, we can be deceived because of our own desire. And if that desire gets blocked, then temptation can set in and we have a choice. We can trust God or we can head down a path towards disobedience, sin, and death. We need to recognize the areas where we're no longer satisfied. What are we not getting from God? And in that place, recognize where the enemy is trying to tempt us and deceive us into believing that God's word isn't true and that God's plans and provision are not good. James 1.18 says this, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. Give us birth through the word of truth. You know, it's the truth that sets us free. And in order to come overcome temptation, we've got to get back in to the truth of God's word. We've got to understand that he provided us rebirth and providing us rebirth. What does he provide us with? He provides us with the Holy Spirit that gives us everything we need to overcome temptation and to live victoriously. Look into 2 Peter 1.3. Even Peter agrees with this. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Though our relationship with Je- through our relationship with Jesus Christ, everything we need is provided to us. Everything we need to live uh, the way that we should is given to us. Nothing is withheld from us. Nothing. Christ is the cure to overcoming temptation. 
So I want to close by looking at Christ. I want to close by looking at his temptation. And we're going to just quickly, we're, going to, we're just going to kind of go right through seven practical keys that you can take. Practical things that you can do by looking at the life of Christ. These are things that we see in Jesus as he overcame temptation. And, and I, I just want to show you these because these are really good. Look at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. And Jesus, look what it says. Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. Okay? And this is where his temptation then comes. He was led in the wilderness to be tempted. From this, we get these seven practical keys. Number one, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to overcome temptation if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that's where we need to start. How did Jesus overcome temptation? He was full of the Holy Spirit. Friends, there are so many times where we are filled with a whole lot of other things, but we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to overcome temptation, you need to ask God, the giver of good gifts, the one who gives the Holy Spirit, and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit because God wants to give you his Holy Spirit that is what the key that you need to overcome temptation. Secondly, you need to get a, a vision that is better than the temptation you face. You need to get a, a vision for something better than the temptation you face. Listen, look at this. Jesus offered, uh, in a moment of temptation, he was offered all authority uh, of the, the kingdoms and, and the glory. That's what Satan came. He said, look down. You, all of this I'm going to give you. And while temporarily what Satan was offering was, you can escape the plan of God. You can escape the cross. You can escape the pain. And I will give you all authority. Jesus remembered that Satan's power and the authority and the the honor and the glory and the power that Satan was offering was temporary. But what his heavenly father was offering was eternal. And for you and I to overcome temptation, we've got to get a bigger vision, an eternal vision. The things that say that the temporary things of this world, that is not enough. It may, it may provide me with a temporary, temptation, or temporary pleasure, but it is not eternal and it is not lasting. See, temptation's a trade-off. It's a trade-off of short-term pleasure for long-term pain instead of short-term pain for long-term gain. Don't trade. Don't make that trade. Yeah, you might get some temporary pleasure, some short-term pleasure, some short-term temporariness from the pain now, but it's going to lead to long-term pain Friends, don't make the trade, for there might be pain in resisting temptation now, but there is going to be a greater gain later on. Thirdly, make decisions against yourself. What do I mean by that? If you give Satan an inch, he's going to take a mile. Notice that Jesus was fasting. When he was out, put into the wilderness to be tempted, he was fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is a temporary sacrifice Temporary sacrifice, you're willingly laying down the eating of food. Let me tell you something. If you've ever fasted for a length of time, if you can, if you can withhold, if you can, if you can fast and you can withhold eating and withhold food and you can, you can curb that desire, then you can overcome any other temptation. And that, that's what Jesus is telling us here, the importance of fasting. 
the importance of fasting. These things don't come except by prayer and fasting. That's a discipline that I think that in many ways we've lost as believers. You want to overcome temptation, I want to encourage you to begin to fast and to begin to pray. Thirdly, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Later on in James 4, 7, that's what he says. Submit yourselves to God then. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to put up some resistance. In any kind of strength training, if you're going to build up your muscles, the way that you do that is resistance training. You've got to put greater resistance against your muscles. And although that might cause pain and cause them to break them down, it actually builds them up and strengthens them. And that's the same thing when it comes to temptation. When you give in, when you give in, you're more susceptible to give in again and again and again and again. You've got to learn how to resist. We see that with Joseph when Potiphar's wife came and she wanted to grab Joseph. Joseph just dropped and fled. He resisted. He got away. Sometimes you just got to get away. You got to go to a different location. You got to get out from what you're doing. You've got to make a, a stop and say, no, I'm going to resist. Learn how to say no. Fifthly, you've got to know God's word. How did Jesus combat temptation? He knew the word of God. Eve was deceived because the word of God was twisted. And when Satan came quoting the word of God, misquoting the context of the word of God, Jesus caught on to it and Jesus turned around and Jesus began to, 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 to overcome temptation by quoting the word of God. The psalmist said, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Friends, you and I need to know the word of God. You've got to commit the word of God to memory so that you can combat the attack of the enemy. Start a habit of knowing God's word. Sixth, get help. Get help. Listen, it is, you need to come to a place where you recognize, I can't do this on my own. For some of you, that might mean getting help through counseling. For some of you, you might need to be in Teen Challenge. You might need to call Teen Challenge. You might need to join a, a Celebrate Recovery or Living Free group. You, you may need to call some people that you know Get into a small group, gather some people as friends, get, a, get somebody that you trust as a mature Christian believer and ask them for help. Get help. I challenge you to do that. Finally, number seven, establish healthy and holy boundaries. Healthy and holy boundaries. This is about making pre-decisions before the decision. You know, growing up, I wanted to, I, I wanted in, in my marriage relationship, the one that God had planned for me, I didn't know it was going to be Jamie, but I knew that God had a woman planned for me, the woman who was going to be my wife. And I knew that God's word said that I needed to remain pure until we were married. And you know, that's difficult. Temptations come. Those things are difficult. But I had made a pre-decision that I was going to remain a virgin until I got married because I was going to honor God. Therefore, when I got in situations, that pre-decision helped me in those situations to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in that position. For some of you, the way to overcome temptation is to begin to make some pre-decisions, set up some holy and healthy boundaries. 
If you're tempted in that way, then we're going to group date or we're going to go where everybody is at and we're not gonna be alone together. There are some key ways. If, if, if it's alcohol, then I'm not going to even go into the bar. I'm not even gonna go into that section of the store where that can be a problem. Don't think you can just go in and go anywhere and I'll just drink a club soda. Don't deceive yourself. Set boundaries, holy and healthy boundaries, make pre-decisions. Friends, as we close, God has given us everything we need to overcome temptation. Temptation comes to all of us. And the source is not God. God is not tempting us. Don't blame God. The source comes from within when we have unchecked desires and when we don't take every thought captive. The source of temptation is to recognize the cause. Recognize the cause understand the consequences and take them seriously and then run to the run to the cure and the cure is who the cure is God our father Jesus Christ listen God has given us everything we need to overcome temptation and friends I want to pray right now that if you need the Holy Spirit in your life if you need Jesus Christ it begins with Jesus Christ maybe you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ today and invite him in. That's the first step to overcoming temptation. Maybe, maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ or maybe you need to repent because there is something that you have been tempted to do over and over again and God wants to set you free and that begins with repentance. That that begins by running to the Father and throwing ourselves down and saying, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for I have sinned against you and give me the power that I need to overcome temptation. I want to pray with you right now. Let's begin to pray. And if you want to receive Christ into your life or you want to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and to give you strength and the power of His Holy Spirit to overcome temptation, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank You. We thank You that You give us everything we need the power to be able to live victoriously and overcome temptation. Jesus, we ask you right now to come into our life and to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to renew our mind and to renew us from the inside out, to cleanse those desires, Lord, that are not of you and to begin to work inside of us and transform us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, we need you. Father, we need you. We need the strength that you provide. And so we ask you, Lord, to come into our lives. We ask you to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us and to make us new and to transform us from the inside out. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I want to just invite you right now that if you made that decision to follow Christ, maybe you rededicated your life to Christ, will you email us at info at painsvilleag.com? If you have the app, download it on your phone. It's real easy. Go to the Connect tab and fill out the decision card and let us know. If you need prayer, maybe you, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need help in overcoming temptation. Will you email us at info at PainesvilleAG.com so that we can reach out to you and help provide you with the help that you need. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.